0: Hello, it's October 11 and this is On The Campaign, a daily podcast wrapping all the big stories from the election 2023 campaign trail. I'm Hamish Fletcher and I'll be your host for this episode. Later in the episode, we'll be hearing from New Zealand Herald senior writer Simon Wilson to discuss the race for Epsom and how ACT hopes to add tamaki to its electorate collection. But first... Chris Hipkins and Christopher Luxon are vying for the country's top job, and today they face an interview to prove if they're up to the task. The NZ Herald's PM job interview with both men hoping to be Prime Minister went live this morning. They fronted up to a panel made up of political editor Claire Trevette, editor-at-large Shane Curry, and business editor-at-large Liam Dan. For Luxon, he was pushed at the start on what went International's decision to float a second election as a possibility if they can't make a deal work with NZ First. Did you,
1: for example, sign off on the comments that Chris Bishop made over the weekend about the risk of a second election? Well, we all have We have a strategy team in our group, and that's how we've built uh, the organisation over the last year. And so we, we all sign off on, on all of that. We have a series of regular discussions and, and debates about that. Uh, and, you know, I'm proud of that. I think we've built a really good unit, and, and we've been running a very good campaign. But when- and we've got great people in that group as well, which is great when do you come in and make a decision on whether or not you go ahead with a particular Well, we have a daily strategy. call uh, with that group about the campaign, uh, and uh, usually early in the morning or and or late at night, often one or two calls a day, uh, and that's sort of the mode that we've been in for some time. So that it's decision about... Um, going public on saying there might be a second election. You signed that off? Uh, well, we signed off the fact that there's lots of uncertainty around MMP. But know, that line? And there's a range of scenarios that could happen. And you were happy you know, with that line, though, going out well, to the public? Well, the, the my position's pretty clear. I've laid up the priority, which is that we want the National Party to get as much party vote as possible. Our preferred option is to work with National sure. and a Stable Coalition. But did you know that line pick up was going um, up? With Winston. Uh, and New Zealand first and at least try mm. as a last resort. Yeah. And as a result, that does, you know, there is uncertainty in MMP elections, but, um, and that's what we want New Zealanders to understand, be intentional with your party But vote. did you know that that role is coming out? Um, I might... knew that we were raising the issues around uncertainty, for sure. But not but, the second No, that, not that, that, not that, the No, that's that one of the things that's discussed. Yes, that's a possibility. You know, but the reality mm. is, um, I don't think we'll get to that. You know, we will be able to work well with National Act. Um, We are probably, you know, as you've seen different polls, say we're we're there or we're not there by one or two seats. Uh, What we want New Zealanders to understand is that the power's in their hands and that's that's what they get a chance to do.
0: Hipkins, for his part, picked up on that line when quizzed on why Labour is not polling any better. I think New Zealanders
2: are right to be sceptical about a national act, New Zealand First Government. It would be chaos, it would be unstable, probably wouldn't last a full term, and the fact that they're already threatening New Zealanders with another general election before they've even sat around a table once is an indication of the sort of instability that that kind of coalition would create. I think New Zealanders can also see that the National Party's numbers don't add up. I think they're coming round to the realisation that if Christopher Luxon wins, that they're gonna lose. So
1: why isn't Labor doing better?
2: I think we are picking up momentum as we head into the final weeks of the campaign. And I think that we're gonna do a lot better on election day than any of the polls are predicting.
1: You've acknowledged there's a mood for change. Do you think that you you will lose against that mood?
2: I I think New Zealanders are seeing what a change might actually mean for them. And they're seeing that if Christopher Luxon and National win, that they're gonna lose.
1: Are you an optimist by nature?
0: I'm very optimistic about this coming election. I'm very optimistic
2: about New Zealand's future.
0: You can watch the full videos at nzherald.co.nz. The rest of the day for the parties has been the usual campaigning, with just three sleeps left before Election Day. For Luxon, he was heading on a bus for the last few days of the campaign, driving up from Wellington to Auckland. His campaign stops included cafes in Upper Hutt and Masterton, where he made coffee and cupcakes. For Hipkins, he spent the day in Christchurch, where he visited the city mission to pack food boxes, before heading to a mall for a campaign stop, where he enjoyed a positive reception from most of the public, though did get an L loser sign from one passing patron. Meanwhile, tensions remain over the uncertainty of what a National Act NZ First coalition could look like, though that is coming yet again from the Act Party end. Their leader, David Seymour, has reiterated his much-criticised line from last month that ACT could enter a supply-only agreement with National if they can't get certain policies over the line. That would mean National would need to negotiate every single bill on an individual basis rather than having the support guaranteed. Luxon told media that his focus remains on pushing National as the main option for change.
1: If you want change, you have to step up to the plate and party vote national. That is the guaranteed way to change this government. It's the guaranteed way to give strong, stable government on the other side so that we can go to work and get things done.
0: Tensions have emerged too on the left, with Green Party co-leader Marima Davidson suggesting in a debate last night that the Israeli Defence Force should be classified as a terrorist organisation for their bombing of Gaza in the wake of the Hamas attack on Israel. That's something Hipkins does not agree with.
2: I think the Israeli military, the Israeli Defence Force, are defending themselves
0: from a very unjustified attack. Finally, after former PM Sir John Key threw his support behind National last week, our most recent former PM, Dame Jacinda Ardern, has weighed in on the election race. In a Facebook Live from her new home in New York, Ardern listed the policies that she focused on in government, such as the environment and child poverty, and how people should vote on their values. You voted for me in 2017, well thank you for that. But that probably meant you were also voting for issues like poverty and climate change and inequality and housing. And the Labour Party has had two terms in office, long enough to make progress, not long enough to finish the job. And our country needs them to finish the job. Ardern also included a personal message for Chris Hipkins, who she used to work with as a political staffer before becoming his boss. He is there because he's in it for you. And I know that to be true. And I've seen that tested time and time again. So I just wanted to acknowledge my friend, the current Prime Minister, the leader of the Labour Party, Chris Hipkins. He's a good person. And he does deserve your support. So not a surprising endorsement, but one Labour will appreciate nonetheless. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. back to On The Campaign. For the next instalment in our electorate coverage, we're heading to the eastern suburbs of Auckland. For nearly 20 years, the country's richest electorate, Epsom, has been held by the ACT Party, with varying levels of support from National. Now, with ACT experiencing something of a resurgence, the party hopes to pick up the long-held National stronghold of Tamaki. But the tight race for that seat comes as National has changed its tune on how they want to handle Epsom. For more on this, I'll hand over to Simon Wilson to discuss the race for the two seats.
3: So Epsom is a seat that's been held by the ACT Party since 2005 when Rodney Hyde shocked everybody by winning it against the interests of uh, the National Party, which had had it as a pretty safe seat to that point. It's now held by David Seymour, uh, who took the seat uh, in 2014. In recent elections, the National Party usually won the party vote, in fact, always won the party vote, um, but not won the electorate vote. So David Seymour, the ACT candidate, has been up against uh, Paul Goldsmith from National. And what has tended to happen is that although the two parties have both nominally said we want to tax, in effect, National voters have known that it was very clear that Paul Goldsmith was after the party vote and and was comfortable with uh, voters giving their electorate vote to David Seymour. And conversely, uh, David Seymour campaigned for the electorate vote and put very little effort into trying to get the party vote. This election... They are both going for two ticks. I've asked them this on uh, public platforms, uh, in in public meetings, and they've uh, said it in other occasions as well. They both want two ticks. As far as Paul Goldsmith's concerned, he would like to be, he would really like to be the electorate MP. It's uh, It's been difficult for him, I think, to have to uh, sit in the back and, and watch in that sense. And as far as David Seymour's concerned, he's recognised that for all those people who vote for him... Um, why don't they all vote for his party as well? And he could get another MP out of that. The way in which uh, the parties in Epsom have signalled to voters how to vote has been a little bit peculiar, uh, quite unusual, in, in fact, Um 2005, Rodney Hyde won it. national didn't want that to happen, but Rodney Hyde ran a stonkingly good on-the-ground door-knocking campaign uh, and uh, succeeded on that basis. After him came John Banks. Uh, John Key did a deal with him. So Banks was uh, became the MP in 2011, and there was a, a famous occasion when they were photographed having a cup of tea together in a cafe. Somebody left a microphone on the counter on on their table. Nobody had noticed. Uh, There was a big storm around that. It was all a bit of a um, storm in the proverbial. Um, And then in 2014, David Seymour came along. Uh, He needed the support of National. He needed the nod and the wink uh, in his first two elections, 2014 and 17, because... ACT got a very small party vote that time. And in both those elections, he was the only MP. So he went through two terms being the only ACT MP and would not have been in Parliament if it hadn't been for National supporting him to be there. 2020, that changed. Uh, He got 10 MPs um, because they did much better in the 2020 election. Um, And uh, he's uh, gone on from that uh, and is hoping for an even bigger result this time. In the candidate meetings in Epsom, the public expresses the same concerns about cost of living that everyone else does. Probably fair to say that uh, you look at uh, many of those people and you think, well, you are better off than a lot of the people who are genuinely struggling with with, um, um, finding the money to pay their bills. Um, But cost of living is is a a big issue. Uh, And so is crime. Uh, there's a real worry about crime uh, in the entire community, and, and that's, uh, people in Epsom are uh, pretty similar uh, to everyone else in that regard. ACT itself likes to say that when they survey, survey they, their own members, co-governance comes up as the top issue, and in fact, in their own surveys, um, something like 30-something percent of people nominate that, um, which is more or less three times as many as nominate cost of living, uh, but it Tells you something about where ACT is going, that that, uh, co-governance, for some reason, uh, is a much bigger issue to them uh, than it does seem to be to the rest of the population. If Paul Goldsmith wins this seat, um, it won't do anything to change the numbers of uh, MPs in Parliament. He's very high on the list, and David Seymour... um, his party is comfortably polling ahead of the 5% cutoff, so he'll be back with others. It won't, so it won't make any material difference. Um, but what it will do is signal that uh, voters on the, centre, the centre-right um, don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that they need to be tactical voting any longer. Um, and so that will be a bit of a shake-up uh, for ACT over time. Tamaki is the neighbouring electorate to Epsom, very similar profile. These are two of the wealthiest electorates in the country and two of the bluest electorates uh, in terms of party vote. Simon O'Connor is the MP there. He's been there since 2011. Uh, He's on the conservative Christian wing uh, uh, end of the National Caucus. Um, So uh, he's had a position opposed to abortion rights, opposed to marriage equality, those sorts of issues. Uh, He'll take the... uh, Religious conservative position. This is a seat that has pretty much always been national. It was Robert Muldoon's seat way back in the day. Uh, when Muldoon retired, interestingly, David Kirk, uh, All Black captain, World Cup winning All Black captain, uh, tried to get it, to get the nomination for national. He was overlooked uh, in favour of Clem Simich, party loyalist from way back. Clem Simich went on to become Speaker of Parliament. Act looked at, at uh, Tarmaki and said, well, if we can win Epsom, maybe we can win Tamaki as well. So their uh, deputy leader, Brooke Van Velden, is standing in that seat. It's really interesting, you know, in 2017 ACT got 524 votes in in Tamaki. (laughs) Tiny yeah, but that's because nobody in either ACT or National was suggesting that anyone should be doing any tactical voting uh, or suggesting there should be any kind of threat to, any serious threat to Simon and Connor. It's all different this time. Brooke Van Velden is a young, uh, early 30s uh, woman who um, proudly declares herself to be a social liberal. Uh, so part of her appeal is to say to the voters of the Eastern Bays, um, if you're socially liberal, and we all want to be financially conservative as part of her message, but if you're socially liberal with that, maybe vote for me and not for this uh, conservative Christian, because I represent the mood of the times much more, uh, and I, you know, like I represent what's right uh, much more than much more than he does. So the, the issues are personalised and they are to do with whether people think Simon O'Connor's been a good local MP. Now, those who are inclined to vote act or against him say he's been invisible. You have to take that with a grain of salt. He's um, He's been a... A, a local MP for uh, over for twelve years now, and I don't know that he's been invisible, but uh, that's what people say about incumbents when they want to get rid of them. But having been an MP for twelve years, he's not in cabinet, not lined up to be in cabinet, uh, very unlikely to have a senior role in in a new national led government. So there is an issue there of uh, whether uh, Tāmaki voters would like to have someone who's going to have a more senior role in if there is a centre-right government. Brooke Van Belden is definitely that person as Deputy of ACT. Uh, she will have a cabinet position if they get to form one and uh, she'll be playing a significant role. So uh, there's a question about do you want a senior MP? There's a question about what are the social values you want represented by your MP? And then there are the other election issues, uh, cost of living, crime, etc. There are some local issues. Uh, at, a, at a meeting recently in, in Mission Bay, in a pub in Mission Bay, uh, when uh, Simon O'Connor railed against speed bumps, uh, he got a big cheer from the audience Government's not going to do anything about that kind of thing, but um, it's a populist issue. Uh, Paula Bennett, if you remember, was um, deputy PM, uh, has been the main fundraising person for the National Party uh, in this term of office. So she has a, a role that is, she's a kind of, I and mean, you could cynically could say wine and cheese ambassador, but she has brought um, brought rich and powerful people into the fold and uh, extracted a lot of money, many millions of dollars from them uh, to fund the national campaign. Done that extremely well, um, and so she's very powerful in in national. But at the same time, she sat down for a cup of coffee. Uh, with Brooke Van Velden in Tamaki, she must have known that that would look like an endorsement. It's a class, It's the classic way in which John Key in, endorsed uh, John Banks. She cannot have gone into that naively or with her eyes closed. So there was a signal there uh, from Paula Bennett that you have to read as she'd be quite comfortable to see Brooke Van Velden in that seat um, rather than Simon O'Connor. In Simon O'Connor's case, if he loses the seat, he'll be out of Parliament. He's not nearly high enough on the party list to get back that way. Uh, in Brooke Van Velden's case, if she loses this, doesn't win the seat, uh, she will be in Parliament anyway. Um, so the only difference will be uh, that Parliament's social conservative ranks will, will diminish by one.
0: Thanks to Simon for his analysis. Tomorrow, Chris Hipkins and Christopher Luxon will both be in Auckland, though the National Leader's bus tour will carry on without him through Napier and Taupo. After that... The final televised leaders debate will take place on TVNZ tomorrow night. In the meantime, this has been On The Campaign. You can follow this podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. For more election 2023 coverage, head to nzherald.co.nz. I'm Hamish Fletcher, and we'll catch you again tomorrow.